welcome to uh, another episode of Living Lives with Khalid. My guest today is a great friend of mine, Neil Shukla. What's up, Neil? <laughs> How you doing? Fantastic. How are you, buddy? Oh, great. You know, you're when I thought of this podcast, you're the first name that came up to my mind that I wanted to interview. So I'm happy we finally could set this up. <laughs> well, you know, this is the first podcast I'm actually part of. And welcome to my art studio in Jabalari. Uh, so you're looking at a glimpse of what I've created in the past year for various projects. So that's what's behind me at the moment. Yeah, so just, I'm excited to be part. Yeah, good. Amazing. Just just to uh, give the viewers or listeners uh, an idea, Neil is an artist and owns the Four Gallery and Design District. He's worked on many projects in Dubai that you probably have seen. Just didn't know that this was the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Uh, he's worked on W Burj Al Arab and uh, a lot of restaurants and then different projects. And so, uh, welcome, Neil. We're here to talk Thank design, you. talk the industry, and then uh, get to know some information about you. So uh, let's start with your place right now. What are you working on uh, currently? Is there anything, any cool projects coming up that you can talk about? So we were currently working on projects, you know, all over the world, not just uh, in the region. So I got projects in Rwanda, Kigali. I got one in uh, Donetsk. Uh, we have a couple of projects at the moment in Dubai Abu Dhabi, of course. And we have a beautiful project in Oman. Uh, we just finished an incredible 20 meter installation there at City Center. Of course, uh, the most challenging of my projects uh, last year, uh, well, all, uh, the last eight months, was an amazing uh, falcon which was installed in the Radisson Red in the Silicon Oasis. And that installation took place during the whole COVID lockdown. So we were working in the tremendous social distancing pressure and uh, you know all the uh, all the hygiene and the the permits for transportation that took and, and we were in deadline by the operator to open the hotel, you know, past September. So we had to deliver those uh, milestones. Yeah. And, and that was really difficult. And it was a heavy sculpture. It was not something that was light. Isn't that? Yeah. It, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's an outdoor piece, uh, almost uh, weighing 450 kilos, uh, old steel. Uh, the, the problem was the sculpture is actually placed on, on a plat on, on the ground level and meets the parking lot. So there was a lot of uh, engineering calculation which we had to master and uh, we had to figure out earthquake, uh, wind, uh, also dead load. So if we had a couple hundred people gravitating on the sculpture, we can ensure that those weight of those people would not collapse the sculpture on the floor below. Which so is crazy because when you think of design, you don't really think of physics or aerodynamics and any of these for, for most people. And so it's cool to see that you have to take into consideration so many things that the normal person wouldn't even think of? Well, when it comes to auto installation, safety is a big issue. And, uh, we, you know, the engineers, especially structure engineers, have to sign off on uh, us creative people uh, of what we're producing or installing. They will not sign off unless they might sure 100% that the safety aspect is checked. So mm-hmm. it's my job as a creative person being the artistic part, but at the same time providing all the documents and all the studies and on what we are creating, how we're bringing, and how we're installing. At the end of the day, it's my neck on the line. Yeah, and of course. So that, that that's the challenging part. So it's more engineering. It's art engineering more than just being creative. You know, anybody can just draw on paper and, and make a sculpture, but how we successfully install that on a public space is a challenge. I mean, we have to think about, you know, if, if there are children there, if they're going to touch it, whatever, you know, even the material we use, the paint we use, uh, apart from the sun, rust, corrosion, and if, if a child just starts licking the sculpture, 
You want to yeah. make sure there's no toxicities uh, in the pain that the inmate is sick. Definitely. So, and and how do you how do you test for these things? Like, let's say the W that you put up on the palm. How did you how do you go about testing something like that? It seems oh, a little bit difficult. What, what the materials are, that we use uh, are materials. Uh, uh, they're very much noble materials that are used for outdoor environment, and these are all uh, tested by uh, different agencies. And uh, before we use them for sculpting purposes, and we give those uh, data sheet and, uh, and approval sheets to the structure engineers, and they have to sign off. Before mm. proceeding, before proceed with the with sculpting process, so okay. the making aspect is the most. I think the, uh, the least challenging part, the engineering aspect, uh, the approval uh, process is the most difficult one. And do you have uh, a creative uh, process when it comes to the designs itself? Because your projects vary, and I, I don't know if the viewers know or listeners know, but you're you're exceptional with and you're unique with your lighting as well. You've worked on so many lights, uh, I think from Burj Al Arab to very luxurious homes. So uh, do you have a creative process when you're making these pieces, whether they're chandeliers, whether they're sculptures, and how, do, how, do you, how does that work in your head? There's never been a single standardized uh, formula. I, mm-hmm. I, I've worked on very, very contemporary. Uh, last year, I worked on a very modular but very contemporary spaceship kind of uh, uh, lighting installation in the Villa Emmett Hills. With a single modular piece, uh, which was replicated four six times over, and hung an entire uh, ceiling of the uh, of the home, and it totally took over the entire space of the living room. And it looked like it looks like a spaceship from the outside. <laughs> That's inside. amazing. So that was yeah. really on, and we had to we had to match the brass finish to the Giorgetti furniture uh, which was there. So the mm-hmm. finishing was a big challenge because the the, the architect was Bruno Galaf wanted that. That feel and look to it, so that that was really end up, and the entire fixation of the wall was seamless. We broke the entire ceiling, uh, we uh, hung everything from the slab, so all you can see is very very small fishwire strings coming out, and the whole lighting station was stuck was was installed at two uh, fixed facing points in front and the back. So it, it it looked like it was floating. Saying that, I just finished installation in the university center, just twenty meters. But that was very nature inspired. So mm-hmm. it was a branches of leaves just flowing in the wind, and the, as a, uh, the bamboo uh, branches just just grabbing onto that, and, and, and they just grabbing in the air. Is so, this, did they already open that? Because there was a food court, correct? I think in the city no, center. The food court is a uh, part B. This is oh, the, okay. So, uh, so I I kind of gave some spoilers away. <laughs> no, so it's installed. Uh, people can see it, but there are already just people taking pictures and everything talking about it. Uh, it's not officially launched from their side, so I'm I'm not uh, yeah, I'm not talking about it on social media or showing the pictures. So when they sign off, then we'll have a marketing campaign for that piece. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really cool, and I love how you're able to have so many different pieces and remain busy, especially during this Corona times. Uh, must have been difficult for you to to manage through these times. How did you? Because I know you have a, a lot of people working with you in creating these massive sculptures, and and uh, how is it leading them? And during this time, and uh, you mentioned you touched on inst- installation. It was difficult, but I'm sure there were also challenges throughout the process from creating the the art or sculptures. How did you manage during these times? Uh, it was a lot of uh, begging and crying. <laughs> I can only really imagine. Well, we were at mercy of uh, the regulations, of course, uh, that mm-hmm. uh, we had to abide by. At the same time, the people who were uh, partnering with in logistics to the handling, uh, because you know, I can't do everything on my own. I need people to support me. 
in a professional manner. So I, we had to really rely on them and they would let us down on various occasions because they just don't have the resources to complete uh, what we're asking them. So that was very challenging. So we had to go to multiple uh, uh, partners to make sure that we could bring the sculpture from our workshop to site and, and of course, offloading and installing. Yeah. So that that two weeks, because two weeks was really, it was very good. Yeah. So following that, at the same period, I mean, you know, these two projects I've been working on a year and a half. At the same time, the Falcon is getting installed. My lighting sculpture in their series center was getting installed the same period. So it was really, Oof. I was just in two different directions. Yeah. My hair was like split into half in two different areas. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know why this happened. I wish it would happen two months before, two months after, where I would have time to dedicate myself to both the uh, installations. But no, it was just... It was just meant to be. It was God's will. Yeah. They said, yeah. we're going to yeah. punish you in COVID and you're doing <laughs> the same time. But hey, you lived up to the challenge and you managed to, to do it. So that's something, you know, that's, that's to be celebrated. That's a pat, a pat on the shoulder for you Thank and you. your team, you. you know? Yeah, I think, and also, I think uh, one of the uh, hero stories uh, that came out from this uh, period was the Falcon sculpture that I installed it and mm-hmm. the media really took up on this in a very positive way. They want to spread good news. And, you know, that during this period, people are, you know, creating, working, you know, enjoying a lot of hard work, effort, uh, you know, perseverance, goals. So they really pick it up. Yeah. And I've been, uh, yeah, I've been blessed. I mean, uh, globally, yeah. I have people, you know, writing about this story and it's been fantastic. It's amazing. I mean, it was a beautiful sculpture. And I love how you incorporated the Falcon as a heritage in the Middle East while with the modern uh, look of the headphones. It was very, it's a nice fusion of the past and the future. So it was, it was well, really cool. Look at you, you you wearing headphones. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking the same thing. For your generation. I know. As I was saying it, I'm looking at my headphones and I'm like, uh, it kind of fits perfectly. It's, it's amazing. And they look similar too, which is which is the ironic part. Yeah, They're yeah. Very, very <laughs> so, what and uh, what were some of your inspirations in terms of this project and in general? Um, I know because a lot of times the also the hotels or the restaurants that approach you, or whether it's uh, the homeowners, they would have a certain criteria or a certain look that they'd want the sculpture or the art to 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 you know because uh, they have the ambiance that they want to achieve and they look for you to help achieve that ambiance. So there is some sort of limitation, but at the same time, I feel like you do retain your creative freedom. How do you balance that out? And uh, what, what are inspirations do you use? Well, I mean, I, 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 you know, I try to spend a lot of time with the, uh, whoever the architects, designers, or the end user client, maybe. I try to understand, I try to get in their mind, in their hearts, and see exactly what they want to see in the space. Mm-hmm. You know, architects is more working more commercial driven projects. So there's a lot of uh, uh, requirement how a various audience is going to perceive this sculpture piece of artwork. So they're very open and they're very, a very fine, thin line has to be observed. There's so too many parameters that we have to kind of consider. When it comes mm-hmm. to a home or residential, there's much more creative freedom. You can really yeah. explore. And I like to spend time with my clients beforehand, really get to understand them and a lot of times, I'll say our lesson in the beginning is let's let's have lunch or dinner together, and let's let's just talk about past. You know, why are you doing this? You know, you you are doing this purely because you want to visually see something in, in that space. Mm-hmm. So let me get into your mind and try to understand what is that you that you want to make. Why you want to make this? You know, you're not going to eat on it. You're not going to sit on it. You are really doing it because you want to, something to 
make for yourself i'm starting to show to the people so let's go crazy yeah let's not let's not just you know walk that you know find thin line no go mad and go crazy and, and do something that's going to really say every day you see you're like wow i love this piece yeah. should give me that because it's going to be in your home so you have to feel good about it when you see it and i think uh, they're in great hands you know i've seen i've seen a lot of your work and and uh, it's it's very uh, demanding for the eyes like it it, it demands attention which is really cool you know i've seen some it's, of the homes it's, well. it's a very visual thing you know and the day art sculpting is a very visual thing and that's what it just gives you pleasure you know by looking at it and if you mm-hmm. every time if you don't look at it if you don't get that wow feeling then i've got something wrong and i i tried it right in the beginning i told my clients that's what we're trying to achieve here so let's give you a very long lasting experience from this particular piece yeah yeah and and it's it's incredible because these people uh whether it's hotels or whether it's it's homes they they ask for your touch and it, it's such an incredible i think honor and, and it's it's so nice to see your work being uh viewed whether it's it's privately or or publicly uh for people to feel better so you're spreading joy which i completely respect as an industry you know and uh speaking of the industry how has it been cuz you recently moved your gallery to the design district how has it been being a part of the design district community and seeing it because it's a new upcoming place but it's a very different vibe than the rest of dubai it's very cool it's very different and it's uh, what's your input on that well 3 years ago i had a pop up in d3 and there was a space that uh, they invited me to do uh, in 48 hours i made uh, an art display uh, a lighting display and I just became part of the design days. It happens once every year in November. Uh, I was there for four days. The four days, I got to experience so many different dynamic people who are in the industry and not in the industry who came to really be part of this incredible creative uh, four days. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away. I loved it. And it was love at first sight. And at that period, there was so much uh, interaction and attraction to my space. These we approached me and they offered me space and I immediately said, you know what I'm in, mean? and I signed yeah. a three-year lease. And that's been three years uh, going on. So every single time I have been evolving that space. So until now, I've not come to a point that I can say I'm there yet. Yeah, I'm not. I'm still, I'm still working on it. I'm still uh, changing, enhancing. I'm trying to make it what I want to go to, where I can, and I can go and say, wow, I love it. So it's still a, uh, it's a discovery process. So when you're there, I, I always come across something. I want to keep on changing and and, and want to make and uh, make moves and uh, and and just adapt it to it. So that's a district where it gives me. Every time you're there, you see something, you feel something, you hear something, and you want to add something new to your space. Uh, and you want to always, you know, keep up the Jones in a creative way to mm-hmm. offer something unique and uh, fantastic. So the space is incredible. Create FMB opportunities. uh there are quite a few unique boutiques at the, of course the top level is all the ateliers and the fashion houses and people do craft work and many different ways there's a lot of things to explore most people when they come to the district they kind of get uh, lost because they don't do their research in advance so mm-hmm. i suggest when you do want to come to the district spend like an hour or two go online and see what's there so you know yeah. what points to hit otherwise when you come there you're going to get this place when, when people come to my gallery I asked them as is the first time here to say yes or no if this is first time here then I I take them on like a curated journey as listen let me take you around spend mm-hmm. 10 minutes with me let's let me show you all the buildings let me show you what's what and what's where and 
what you can do in a couple of hours. And I think they understand it and they appreciate that uh, personal touch. Yeah. I think as a community, all of us are responsible in giving that feeling. And that's what I feel that, that D3 is my community and I'm trying to give the visitor a very unique personalized look to it. So the, the, the space is amazing. You've been coming there quite a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah, which is, which is great. You know? I mean, because I think your personality is a reflection of D3 in a lot of ways. And it's super... Uh, modern, super stylist and fashion. And, and it's just it's just an incredible place to be. It's just uh, very different and very vibrant in its own way. And it's unique. And like you said, spending time researching is, is something that will really help you pinpoint where you want to see. Personally, I enjoyed being just taken back by just going and because it was a completely different vibe. I was shocked when I saw the boutiques there, when I was, it didn't feel like uh, Dubai. It felt like I was somewhere else. Oh, you're somewhere was, else. Yeah, you, exactly. you can be in LA, you can be in Milan, you can be in Miami. It was uh, really cool in that way, yeah. yeah very cool. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm lucky because, uh, you know, in my building, building number seven, I'm housed, uh, surrounded by some various cool uh, F&B and uh, boutique shops. I have uh, Espresso Lab, which is the best coffee in all of Dubai. Mm-hmm. Then you have mm-hmm. the Japanese ramen restaurant, which is you, which is insane. All the yeah. products come from Japan. Uh, I haven't really tried cool. that one yet. Yeah, I need yeah, to. Yeah, it's really, really funky. I love uh, Lighthouse. Lighthouse is really good. Light is very nice. And you got Home Bakery just around the corner. And then mm-hmm. Montreal also is just around the corner. It's all in that one uh, one building. So you can spend the entire day just going to all those different areas and uh, exploring uh, and, and just seeing mm-hmm. something really different. And, it, and, it, and it's an amazing, very cool vibrant wine. Even now, uh, you know, people are still not going out, but in, in my space, on a daily basis, it's packed. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's one of the chair. few places, and when lunchtime comes, you see the entire, everyone's outside, out and about, chilling, and, and it's just so different than other places. Like, I work in JLT, and in JLT, people just go to the restaurants, but you don't see, like, a lot of the socializing. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like when you're walking around the design district, if I'm, walk, if I'm walking with someone that I know there, they're saying hi to everyone, which is which shows and reflects how, how tight that community is. Yeah, because the, the lunchtime, the community actually comes together, all you know, all the buildings uh, come, come together in one single area, and you see mm-hmm. them. All, and, and at the same time, when you do that, uh, hey, what are you working on? I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Then you get to you know, talk about the creative process could be from uh, either clothing or jewelry or uh, architecture, and in my case, interiors. And arts and then you you gravitate from each other's uh, current projects or past projects yeah. and then and sometimes it turns into commerce mm-hmm. you'll talk oh, to sure. somebody yeah i'm doing this or can you uh, oh can i collaborate yes or, of course why not you know and then so it's it's worked out for me in that but in a positive mm-hmm. way that i would say you know we work on this and you, yeah, you hear about it and you, then you just, you know build momentum from that point on so there's a lot of architects and designers who are housed mm-hmm. there and they do some incredible work. So you do a lot uh, of so different referrals and different uh, collaborations, like you said. It's really cool, honestly. I love that place. I wish I was closer. Uh, but I, like you said, I've been spending a little bit more time there. <laughs> but uh, so it's, uh, what are your favorite pieces? Because you've worked on so many different things now. Do you have a favorite one or do you, what, what, what uh, I don't know, because I feel like they're all your creations. So I don't know how well, you feel. You know, Two years ago, the W sculpture was uh, like was insane. It was amazing. It weighed almost 4.5 tons. Uh, so it was a lot of uh, it was a mammoth project installed there on the farm. Was a challenge of mm-hmm. its own. But of course, the falcon at the moment, the red falcon and uh, rats in red. 
It's mm-hmm. probably my, my my most favorite piece. I have a picture there. Uh, I have to see it. Yeah, I have to see yeah, it live. They, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm organizing uh, quite a big group uh, trips to the Radisson Red during the sundowner time, so you can see the the, the, the morning and evening uh, period of the uh, falcon. It changes actually. It changes the color. Even the way we oh. the lights from the uh, in the front of the back, the shadow effects of the light it really transfers the falcon to a very different creature. So you do have to come and see it. So that's my yeah. absolute favorite moment. And uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, every time I go there, I just want to climb on top. <laughs> <laughs> I know it looks really, really cool. Honestly, honestly, I cannot wait to see it. It'll be really, really cool. Um, and you've also worked on on uh, lights, a lot of lights, and I believe Virgil Arab as well. Correct. That's right. And my first what was is- that? Was your first project? Yeah, in Dubai. Yes. That's a great first project. <laughs> and it's globally recognized, which I think is great because now you've built this uh, portfolio of, of beautiful sculptures and arts. And I remember when we were, we were having dinner at uh, Toro Toro and I had no idea the bulls were your creations. I was, we, were, we were just talking, I'm like, these bulls are so cool. You're like, yeah, I made those. <laughs> that was a nice surprise, you know? So it was, it's really cool that you managed to have your touches in so many places. And people that live in Dubai, especially, are maybe not conscious of it, but they've seen your work and you've touched them in ways like even in the, in the lounge in Emirates, uh, I remember seeing I your, yeah, seeing your pictures and I saw your signature. I'm like, Neil, is that like, <laughs> so it's really nice that you've managed to, even on a subconscious level without people realizing it's you, influence so many lives and, and inspire people and add to the ambiances and environment. So that's something I absolutely love about your industry and you as a as a content creator. Uh, so my father is going to get involved very much uh, with, uh, with photography. As you know, my father is a very mm-hmm. historian in the Emirates. Uh, he was a photographer who did the who took the pictures of the 1971 Federation of the UAE, the mm-hmm. signing of the Federation, and the seven rulers were standing. So yeah. in my and and just to interrupt you very just quickly uh, to the people that don't live in Dubai, Dubai was. Uh, uh, or the UAE. The UAE was founded in the 70s and his father was, so it was a coming of different states. Uh, you have different emirates and that's why it's United Arab Emirates. And uh, his father happened to be there to photograph all of that firsthand, which was an incredible moment in history for the country and region. And sorry, continue, Neil. No, no, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. So 2nd December uh, 1971 and so that was the uh, official signing of the Federation, the UAE, and the UAE was formed. And then there's a museum there called Itihad Museum, which is my father's permanent museum, showcasing the, uh, his work of that particular day only. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where the founding fathers got together and, and, and formed the United Arab Emirates. Uh, my point being that because he was a, one of the most recognizable photographers who brought analog back to life, because it was all negative, uh, 120. Mm-hmm. And three by five, uh, four inch format negatives. Uh, upstairs in my heart, uh, we are creating a darkroom experience. Uh, not experience, but actually a full fledged darkroom with 20 stations. And there are going to be master classes that are going to be taught by my father. Amazing. Uh, in this space, uh, as his uh, contribution to the uh, community to teach a younger generation uh, mm-hmm. what it means to work and photograph and analog photography and how to develop film and photographs. Yeah. So that's what this space, I built this space, 100,000 square feet. So I'll, I'll walk around with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't wait what, to what see what it. 
Uh, yeah, he's an incredible what, photographer. It was like the, the emotions that he gets to capture. It was so powerful and moving. Yeah, so that's what's going to happen here. So it's going to become a, a hub of art, but also a hub of learning. So it's going to be mm-hmm. Ramesh Shukla uh, Institute of Photography, and he's going to be teaching and uh, giving what he has learned uh, mm-hmm. to many who want to you know, take analog photography uh, under their belt. That's incredible. He's passing the mantle. And uh, speaking of museums, you're heavily involved also in the Louvre, isn't that correct? So uh, we have a very lovely group of people called American Friends of Louvre. Uh, it's, a, it's a group of Americans that got together many, many years ago. Uh, it's chaired by Christopher Forbes and the Forbes family. And the, the goal of the group is to uh, basically have philanthropy as a main part of their uh, contribution to the Louvre and from not only from funding to time, contribution, and also research and restoration. So we do, in our own ways, uh, the members who are all over the world, from, uh, from Europe, from Far East, Africa, uh, I'm the member, I'm the only member actually uh, in Dubai. And we are involved with various aspects of the uh, activities in the Louvre and outside the Louvre. Mm-hmm. So we help the Louvre, uh, you know, spread the message of Louvre on a global uh, platform in our capacity. But we are very involved with how we can help the roof, uh, mm-hmm. make sure that the uh, the resources they have are showcased. So one of the big uh, events took place last year was a restoration of 18th century pastels. And Judy Khan was our member. She spent two years in restoring those uh, pastels. Of course, she funded the entire uh, project. Mm-hmm. So the entire wing actually mm-hmm. was her contribution to Amazing. So a lot of the members, and they will, uh, a lot of them are, of course, very, very healthy, uh, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. And they will really support them with uh, resources and financial uh, benefits to them. So they need help. And that's how the museums are more active by groups like uh, ours. I play a very mm-hmm. small contribution, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, but uh, I'm very happy to be part of that. Uh, of course, it's such an honor. And at the same time, it must be so nice to see the region having its own Louvre open up and to be able to involve in something that is global that brings the world together. Because I think the Louvre, what, when you go and you see it, it's, it's really like a history of humans and the human race. And it's very nice to see how we're all together coming into one because it is in the end, we're all you know part of humanity. And then I think with your industry and with your contributions to the Louvre as well, it's, it's a reflection of who we are as individuals and as a collective as well. So I love that. Um, and so now I want to talk a little bit about health because as everyone who's watching can see, you are incredibly fit. <laughs> and how is that? How, is, how does health play a role in your, because I know you're very active. What I love is how you always go running in the morning. And you, you uh, promote it on Instagram. And so I wanted to talk, how does physical activity play a role in your life? And what benefits do you see from it? I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, we come to a point in our lives that you know, the mind and body have to work together. Mm-hmm. And if they're not in sync, uh, then there's no balance. And no matter what you do, you're going you're gonna to fall or fail in some way. So I always try to balance those two things out. Physical activities always. I, I, I do gym twice a day. I, I recover in the morning and I do gym in the evening. And I don't do any heavy weights. I'm nice to be much more larger in my uh, early part of my life and you know bulking up weights and protein, mm-hmm. but that's gone. So it's more just being more cut, more refined. But of course, having a cardio as part of uh, my routine is very, very important. And no matter 
even though you know we do have late nights but when you when you add that component to your uh, daily lifestyle within a half an hour one hour you're just like a rocket mm-hmm. the more you insert exercise in your life the more energy you get out this is how i feel mm-hmm. uh, my morning mantra is always uh, running the days that i run you'll end up doing uh, pull ups push ups you know i have a certain regimen which i always uh, do and that really is very enduring half an hour i can really get some incredible workout going with very very basic things and then up in the evening i do uh, different body parts depending on uh, how i'm feeling and yeah. i also start to bring my boys into the equation same time we have home gym so it just gets much uh, easier as soon as come home and you know they get involved so now it's Definitely. more about me coaching them on physical fitness but the amateur the young generation is not that motivated Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean we got to work? We got to lift our finger and then do yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's honestly it's super difficult even for me like uh, I mean I work out I want to say five to six days a week. Uh not as much stamina and cardio. I've just started. Um so okay. I'm starting, you know, jump ropes and treadmill and all these things. Uh but I think even though I love it, even though I do it all the time, I still find difficulty getting up and just doing it. You know, I still like delay it 10 minutes. But I think once you use get used to it, you see the benefits, you see the results, you see the 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 being able to breathe better, being like you said mind and body. And so it's it's great to it's a great thing to incorporate into your daily lives. And uh, I want to move from health now to family since you mentioned your kids. You have uh, three beautiful kids. one about to go to college i know silvia must be <laughs> both happy and sad to let one of you one of the kids go um how is it being a father and what kind of uh things do you what kind of uh, morals and what kind of uh beliefs do you want to enroot in your children and and your children and uh how's that been can you take us through that journey well i i in honesty i i I, I don't feel that we are like parents. I think we're more of their friends. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, I, I, so that's it's a very interesting way we raise our children. We just raise our children the way we are. Mm-hmm. We don't change as, as 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 a couple or as individuals to raise our children. We said, you know, they're going to pretty much be around our surroundings, and that has brought them to a very much our comfort level. They say, you know, what, these are my parents, and then and 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 they they were that, which is great. Uh, because the moment you try to change yourself, then it becomes really weird. Yeah. But now we don't. We do things which you always do always. It's, it's never been uh, anything different. And now they see it, and I guess it's a, a true reflection of us, you know, personality and our lifestyle, which is mm-hmm. uh, exactly how they are now. So, yeah. so it's it's I. I don't know if I can explain it. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a, a good job at this, but. Uh, We have not changed as uh, as a couple. We're still the same that we were 20 years ago. I'll probably be married 25 years uh, next year. Amazing. So uh, and uh, so I think that's that's a real secret. Don't don't change yourself. Yeah. Uh, be who you are from the beginning, and then that's it. And then uh, mm-hmm. if you are who you are, you know, you're doing you know what you're supposed to do. Then that's it. It's gonna sort of reflect in your children. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible, and and uh, you know I love the way you and Sylvia are. You're just and the, the way to see you interact with your kids as well. Last time when we hung out, it was super super amazing because you can see yourselves in them, and at the same time you see who they are as individuals now because they reached an age where they formulate their own 
you know, likes and dislike and, and, but they have the confidence because you made them just be you. And, and I, and I love that about it, about, about them and about the way you raised them. Uh, so how did you and Sylvia meet? I don't think I know the answer to this. No, it's, it's going on many years now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to work in Bloomingdale's uh, in Miami in the fall. Okay. And I was working in the rough floor department. Uh, <laughs> I can so see that. <laughs> Just a young Leah, no, like. <laughs> no, no, no clothing. No, no, I was working in, uh, in the home. home okay, home, okay. In the furniture, in the lamps and everything. So even that, I was involved with the whole lamps. You know, I loved mm-hmm. the home decor. And her sister used to work uh, in Lancome. And Sylvia used to come and visit her sister, you know, on occasion. And I used to always, you know, see her. So whenever I saw her, I used to say hello. And I used to And so she really, really like, talk to the head. Yeah. She really talked to me. <laughs> uh, so I was very persistent. I was uh, very much, I mean, I was really, really right away. I was taken by her. I said, you know what, I, this is the girl. I know she's the one. And it was a long coding process. It was very challenging. I remember the first time that I met her. And back then, you know, there was no cell phones. It was a you know, home phone. Mm-hmm. You had to take somebody's number down, whatever. So I, I gave her, uh, and I said, no, I, I would like to get your algorithm right now. Can I have your uh, number? And she said, no, no, no. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I said, okay. And so I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you my number. No, yeah. I, 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 I gave it to her. I think she kind of turned on, threw it up, and threw it out. <laughs> Sylvia, so, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's killing me. But I, I was very, I was very persistent. I kept on, uh, you know, pursuing her, uh, chasing her. And my first, of, like, official date was actually in her parents' home, in front of her sisters, her uncle, and the dog. Oh wow. Uh, no Second pressure album. there, huh? No pressure but, at all. <laughs> I was like, okay. And, uh, and I mean, she comes to a very traditional Colombian family. Mm-hmm. So the family aspect was very, very important. My parents were not there. I, you know, they were in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And there was a long time. Uh, at the same time, while I was dating her, actually, I was getting very close to her, to her family. Mm-hmm. I think the first two years, uh, both of the sisters used to always come every single day with us. Wow. We never without that. And so it was a really, a very beautiful, organic, uh, mm-hmm. coming together of families as well. Yeah, and, 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 and knowing them. And, and, and of course, were you still in college or did you graduate by then? No, no, no. We were in college. We were in college. We're in college. So, and then when I, when I'm exactly moved to Dubai, we're not married at that time. Yeah. And I told her, I said, I'm, I'm thinking of considering moving back to Dubai. I have a project here. And she's okay, fine. I'm, uh, I said, do you want to come and see Dubai? Because I don't want you to marry. I said, you know, come to Dubai. And she was like, I hate it. Yeah. So I said, no. She said, okay, I'll, I'll come and visit. She came and visit. She saw it. And I said, if, you know, would you consider living in the place? And she's like, yeah, I, I would. And then we got married. And then Amazing. To, 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 to Dubai. That's an incredible story. I can't believe she rejected you. <laughs> Sylvia, God damn it. He's handsome. What are you doing? <laughs> no, it's funny. It's amazing because like seeing you two together is incredible. Like you're one of my favorite couples and I hope one day I get lucky enough to meet someone uh, that makes me feel the way that you two are and, and someone as beautiful as Sylvia as well. That's of course. Good job. Both of you. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's amazing. It's a cool, great story. And uh, now we want to move, since you have so many different things in life, 
you love cars and you founded Ferrari Club here. How has that been? And have you always been interested in cars? I mean, the designs of them, phenomenal. Uh, were you interested in the design aspect? What, what, uh, what part of cars do you like? And how was it forming a club, managing so, it? So let me, let, me, let me take a little backtrack. So I, yes. my first gallery was Bergeman Gallery many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And at that time, uh, there was a CEO of Microsoft. His name was Fred Camperman. He was always on that Kalimin Wali Road, which is actually the road of technology. And he, he had office, Microsoft had a startup back there at that time. And he became my client as furniture home in Jumeirah. And we became friends. After a few years, uh, Fred retired. And then he didn't want to go back to Germany. And I took him on board as my ID director. And so he could stay in Dubai and just, mm-hmm. uh, just hang out. He didn't want to go back to Germany. Yeah. So one trip, uh, we were uh, in Maranello, and we he Microsoft back then used to sponsor uh, F one, mm-hmm. and then he knew Schumacher, and we ended up uh, he ended up meeting Schumacher, met Schumacher, and then Schumacher kind of said, you know, listen, we presence in the UAE, especially here, you know, we you are you belong to Ferrari, you should make a Ferrari club, and you should really take the lifestyle Ferrari and, and make it happen. So when Fred came back, uh, Fred and I came back, you know, he started the Ferrari Club with, you know, a handful of people. I was one of the first members uh, who joined. And then the club started growing from that point on. Mm-hmm. So Fred was the real uh, creator of the club. And the club from a few members became like a, a, a very big thing. So now it's probably the most active club in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just racing, but it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And they promote a, a certain lifestyle. So it's more of a family and racing and Mm-hmm. And uh, people come together for passion for Ferrari itself. So mm-hmm. it's been a, quite an interesting uh, journey being yeah. uh, part of the club on the beginning point on. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And have you, uh, like, is, are you loyal to Ferrari then? Or do you also appreciate other cars? Uh, no, I'm loyal to Ferrari. You're loyal to Ferrari. That's it. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> what color is your car? I don't think I've, I've seen your car. What color is it? Red. Red. Okay. That does not surprise me. <laughs> like I could have guessed it. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, now your kid is going to the States. Uh, how do you feel about that? Sending Dimitri away. Well, it's, uh, you know, I mean, if this was the case many, many years ago, when I went to college, when I went to college from Dubai, you know, my, the way I flew was uh, Dubai, Bahrain. Uh, Bahrain hey, London, shout London, out Bahrain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, London, London, New York. Uh, New York to, I think it was... Fort Lauderdale? Uh, was and, 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 and another to Miami. So I had like four pit stops to get to Miami. Wow. How many hours so, is that? Wow. So, so it's a very different time. So now we have technology and now we have yeah. so many different ways to connect and, and air travel, of course, now is a little bit challenging, but you know, within a year's time, it'll be different. So it's easy to communicate, easy to do this. And so it's not that bad. But of course, it's very, very nostalgia for us to lose him from the go there. It's also easier to communicate and easier to go. So if you really want to see him, like he can fly over, we can fly over there. But I'm very, very happy and proud of him that he's going to Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, incredible and, school. Uh, you know, it's uh, truly a great achievement for him uh, <laughs> to get there. And he has the, uh, he, he not only has the intellect to do that, but he's got the desire mm-hmm. to really uh, add and contribute to the school and to his uh, future career. So I'm Amazing. very, very yeah. proud. I-, I can't wait to see what he accomplishes. He's going to be incredible. Uh, you want to hear one of my predictions? 
I predict <laughs> that in two years' time, maximum, you're going to have a gallery in the States to be closer to him. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I'm calling it from now. I'm calling it from now. And <laughs> um, it'll be great. I think it's... it's uh, I, I studied in the States, as have you, and it's such an incredible place. And you get to... It really fuels your drive, I think. Um because I did the UK and I did the US and the UK, there was a lot of like, it was great universities, but uh, I didn't see the motivational aspect of it as much as I did in the States. The States really made me believe that nothing is impossible and it's time to accomplish your dreams. So I hope he has a similar experience. I'm sure he will, in fact, better, I'm sure. Uh, do they start next semester, by the way, or how is that with COVID? Did they like it's August. August? And is it st- online still or are they going to... No. I mean, two months the campus is going to be open, and after that, uh, in November, it's going to go online again. Okay. So now we're going to a big debate: uh, should he go and come back, or should he just go online? So we're still just figuring that out, that part out. So yeah, the whole COVID thing is so. Yeah. It's really like it really crazy how it just stopped the world. It, it put us, you know, it's it's insane. It's put every and you make industry. decision on a day to day basis. Every day is a new new reality. I know. And it's so crazy because like you see everything has got became a little bit easier in Dubai. You can go to restaurants, you can do all these things now, but it still is a weird vibe. And at the same time, all it takes is one time. And so you just, you never really know. And, and the long-term effects, there's so many different unknowns and, and, you know, do you see it changing the, the industry that you're in, in terms of interior design? For the next foreseeable future. Well, I know uh, the artists, the uh, creative people around the world—they've really been suffered. They are, uh, the, the, the market has just kind of disappeared for a while mm-hmm. because they're not able to showcase their works in galleries and things. So that's really hurt them a lot. Yeah. Uh, so that's been a big challenge for the creative industry, especially the contemporary art. Mm-hmm. And so I hope this going to come out soon because all the art fairs have to cancel this big thing. Yeah. And nobody predicted this happen all of a sudden. You know, if you know something's mm-hmm. gonna happen, you plan, you you know, of course, organize accordingly so you're prepared. But this is something that came uh, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. So do you have any advice? Because for example, my sister, you know, is about to I want to try to help her out to because she's an artist to to gain momentum and to gain recognition out there. So how do we go about it in a corona date? We can't have a gallery or set up even no. a pop-up. So all these upcoming artists that are currently have been working on their projects, whether it's six months, a year, two years, what routes and channels can they use nowadays in order to promote their art and to get out there? I think the best thing for me, uh, social media has helped me a lot, uh, both through LinkedIn and through Instagram. I showcase my work. I'm in my studio a lot, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I show my creative process. I talk about it. I get a lot of people involved in my studio. They come and see exactly what's uh, taking place. Nothing talking about it and showing it. And not just the end product, but the journey of the end product, mm-hmm. the real story behind how you come to that end. I think it's very important. Yeah, And, that really and you also showcase great. everyone working on it. I love how you show all your team and, and how you're very inclusive and very motivational. And, and it's, it's an incredible thing to see, especially yeah, advertised. Yeah. Yeah, they are, they're part of the process. They're part of the creative journey, and it's important that uh, they be recognized. And uh, uh, we we talk about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, not, it's not a single man show. It's 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 a, it's a family. Of course. Uh, dream project. Go. What's your dream project? The Louvre. The Louvre. Yeah. The one here, or or a new, no, a new one. In Paris. 
that's uh, create something that's going to be showcased in the Louvre. That's create something that's showcased in the Louvre. Oh, that's going to be incredible. Oh, I can imagine like an entire light exhibition that just Neil Shakla made. <gasps> That'd be or so camel. cool. The Dubai, oh. the Dubai camel. The Dubai camel in the Louvre. Oh my gosh. Mind, that would be, or, or you make a French camel somehow. You blend in these two. <laughs> these two cultures. Or, 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 or the, a camel climbing the pyramid of the Louvre. Oh, now that's, that's an idea. That's an idea right there. <laughs> the iconic. I, I, don't think, can, yeah. I don't think Jean Novel would appreciate that. Probably uh, not. <laughs> like, but there will be no camel in the pyramid. <laughs> you cannot. You simply cannot. <laughs> but I will for sure be popping champagne bottles with you when that day comes because you know you have that vision, you have that creative process, and I'm sure one day, one day you'll get that. Um, and speaking on the other aspect, what are some of your favorite designers and, and inspirations out there? Whether it's in the lighting world or the sculpture world, now that you're a sculptor, I mean, I, 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 was <laughs> the, I mean, I love the old masters. I mean, there's so much uh, history behind the old masters, and nothing can change that. At the moment, I'm loving Anish Kapoor and what he's doing. This, this incredible work that he's uh, uh, his big, huge scale uh, mm-hmm. uh, persona and, and 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 what he produces is like gigantic. So I'm really gravitating towards him more and more as we speak. Uh, da Vinci has always been my single favorite uh, uh, creative uh, uh, craft person. So a lot of my research goes to Da Vinci. I was able to actually go to his 500-year uh, uh, anniversary opening in the Louvre, which was absolutely incredible. The most, most significant, most important piece, 110 pieces of his works, wow. were housed under one uh, umbrella. And that exhibition was open for one day, then it closed down. Wow. And it opened and it opened up two weeks later. But within the period, the Italian government made a big, big ruckus that how come so many pieces were showcased in blue and not in Italy? That's uh, Italian. Yeah. So the pieces had to had to go back to Italy. So only yeah. for the one night we were lucky to have seen the most incredible collection of the Vinci's work. The energy in there must have felt phenomenal. Oh my God, I can't imagine it. And the people that must have been there as well to attend, all the artists, all the, like, of the modern day, it must have been such inspirational conversations and and what a a time to... to No, it was a brilliant, brilliant uh, evening. Incredible. Yeah. Most people didn't get to see that after that, which was, like, very sad. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's at least you got the privilege to see it, you know. Uh, and and uh, talking about about it just makes me kind of want to live it. But at the same time, I'm happy that uh, it was it happened. I think with technology's advancements, eventually we'll be able to showcase a lot more work. Of course, it won't be the same as as seeing it live. But I think it's a different vibe. You're there. You belong. You bring the air. You. You're yeah. hearing the noise and the other people, and you see. And I mean, it could be anywhere in the world. It could be Africa, it could be Mumbai, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it could be Dubai. But you know, when you're there physically, you are around humans. It just your body and mind. And and you feel body. like, like I said, mentioned earlier, the energy of the place, the energy, of the people, their reactions, the the pieces that are there. It's just such a different vibe. I think it's not. You can't replicate that. 
but uh, it's 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 such a spectacular thing to to witness. Um, are you influenced, by the way? Do you have a certain type of architecture or design that you lean towards? Because you know, uh, different countries have very different uh, design styles. Like if you're talking about the Japanese styles, which is the Indian style, versus the modern day styles. There are so many different ones. Why do you see yourself leaning towards? Which might well, be a difficult moment, question. Yeah, maybe at the moment, uh, you know, when gathering Dubai Design District, we're showcasing John Hatter, and he is very much uh, showcasing work in mid-century more American furniture. Mm-hmm. It's a very eclectic, very whimsical, uh, very colorful uh, genre of way interiors are showcased. I'm loving that current style at the moment. Uh, maybe next year something different, but at the moment, I'm really into that. Yeah, and there's no there's not a singular uh, finishing. Does it? It's it's a it's a combination of various finishes and all running gold, silver, bronze, various uh, woods, and various colors. So I'm really really loving uh, the way it all comes together. If you see my gallery, you will you uh, you'll experience that that very colorful white and yeah. that that old Mr. American furniture and a beautiful journey and story to it. So it's really really very very. Cool. I have to uh, come check it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, it is. It is. I've, I've, I remember your gallery, but you changed it now. You, you have new okay. stuff, so I need to come check it out. Um, how, if you have any advice for new designers and people that want to become uh, artists and want their their uh, their work displayed in hotels, restaurants, and all these different cool projects that you're doing, what would be your advice to those people? How would they go about it? And and it is is going to design school necessary to achieve that? And what is the th- Thing that helps you the most in penetrating this world and at the same time in uh, scaling it? I, see, I, I come from a family of artistic people. So I did not go to school for artistry. So I don't have the fundamental background of going to art school. I didn't do that. So I'm pretty much a self-taught uh, research uh, what I'm doing at the moment. So number one, passion. You've got to be a passionate person. You just got to be in your heart. You want to be creative. You want to create and it's not for commerce, it's just because you believe in it, because you love it. And this is what you want to, you, you want to do it for your your sake. Because that will lead you into so many different journeys. That's going to eventually be seen by people and there'll be commerce out of it. A lot of people, what happens nowadays, is the first thing is, that, can I sell it? Was it worth it? No, it's wrong. It's not about that. Even me, we do so many things in our studio and majority of the time is not about selling. It's about just experimenting with materiality, uh, with styles. Uh, we do things that we know we're going to fail, but you know we want to do it because we want to understand how we fail and how we can understand what we have touched, felt, how it's taking shape, and, uh, and, and it's a beauty to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I find beauty to it, maybe there's maybe there's one person or one person out there who's going to find beauty to it. So yeah. that, my single biggest advice is: don't be afraid. Just jump into it. If you if you feel that you are uh, like to experiment, play with uh, things, and eventually art will come out of it. And if you find it beautiful, I'm sure somebody else will, and then then, then there will be a rally to it. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing, you know. Don't 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 just sell about okay. I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna put it on the internet. I'm gonna sell it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we have so much things in our studio. You have no idea. We have so many things. I I never put that on my uh, on my anyone. Uh, social feed say you know I, I'm selling this for this that's not the goal yeah 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 no it's, it's definitely like I don't think that's something that's also it's very hard if it's if you're an upcoming artist to even 
if your goal is to sell it, it's hard for you to figure out your pricing because you're an upcoming artist in the end of the day, you know? So, and different people will value it differently. And I think, like you said, it really stems from passion because if you're doing it for, for money purposes, I think it'll show. People won't be moved because what moves people with art is, is the rawness of it. And it won't be raw if your motivation is just monetary, you know? That's just my take onto it. Um, but you think, so if someone doesn't have connections, if someone is, let's say, wasn't afraid and jumped into creating these, this artwork, how would they go about, because in the end of the day, they have to put food on the table. Yes. How can they sell it? What channels should they use if they have no network and they don't know anything about the art world? Like they didn't have parents that were into art and they're just trying to really pursue their passions. What would be the best mechanism uh, to, to get yourself out there? Besides, like, like, and in social media, are there any tricks to it as well, if you're posting on social media, that can get you out there? So I, I come from a pre-internet age. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I was there way before internet was, was out there. So we relied on very basic, simple uh, steps. Paint, gallery, exhibition, sell. And that's what... You know, my parents knew what I knew. Fast forward all these years, every single week is, is a new reality. It's a new way to showcase, uh, channel your your work outside to the world. Before, your market was so, so small, you could just focus on, a, on maybe a 200-kilometer radius, and that was your market cap. Now the whole world is your oyster. You, you know, you put something online, the entire world, if it's really the room, amazing. Uh, fabulous, cool, raw. The whole world can see it. They'll react. They'll, they'll, they'll adapt to it. So what my I'm trying, what I'm trying to say, is now through internet, you really can really show the whole world what you are about, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you have to prep yourself. You have to prepare yourself way in advance. So if you're gonna have, if you're gonna create, create for one year. Keep on creating. Keep on working, working, working. Make a body of artworks. Beyond your regular nine to five job, in which you mm-hmm. put bread and butter on the table, you know, have that. Of course. Same time in the evening and the weekends, work, create. When you have a beautiful body of work, then just figure out in a very simplistic way how to show it online. Yeah. There's a lot of gadgets online who take your work and you can, you can show it. Price it extremely, stupidly cheap, period, to get a mark and to get a following. Yeah, but then you don't, don't just do one out. You know, have of course, of course, of so, course. So you, so you, so you, so you're ready, and you just, you know, you play out there. You could sketch or paint or sculpt or anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's irrelevant, and that's gonna kickstart you in many ways. If, it's a simple example. You saw my bulls in Toronto. You know those bulls I made almost seventy years ago. Wow. You know, or almost seven, eight years ago. So it was a very, very long time ago. Mm-hmm. So from that point on till now. It's taken this long for people to understand and take me as somebody who sculpts big sculptures. Yeah. So it's not, it's not an easy journey. I, mean, yeah. very long, I, I, I did so much behind the radar, which you never got recognized. Now, I never talked about it because I never I never felt comfortable that I was ready to even go out mm-hmm. there and talk to a media, talk to editor, you know, just say, you know what, I've done this. Can you, can you showcase it? Because they would say, you know what, they'll laugh at me like that. Yeah. yeah. But now when it comes to a point after all that time and I say, you know what, I've done this, like, yes, let's talk about that. Yeah. So you do have to put your time, effort into it. 
Just mm-hmm. keep on creating. Yeah. And then you reach a point and then people are going to take you uh seriously and then you you'll, you'll be showcased. Yeah, so patience and perseverance because you got to be continuous and at the same time you're not going to blow up. Yeah, you're not going to blow up from one one piece. You have to build the background. Um yeah, I think uh I I'm very excited to see your next works. Uh I I'm really really excited and I'm going to uh, take you outside for a second because I'm going to show you the sunset. Yes, let's see. The sun is going down. I don't want you to miss it. <laughs> let's see it. So we're walking out of my office. There you go. One second. As you can see, I love the color orange. Yeah. Office <laughs> only going down. Oh. Uh, that's perfect sunset right there. <laughs> this, this is, is in, my uh, studio. As you can see. Yeah, this is in Jabal Ali, right? This is in Jabal Ali. Yeah. I still need to see it because I've only seen your gallery. I'd love to come see the scale and, and uh, the works behind the scene. <laughs> so this is the main... Oh, sorry. This is the main... Uh, my, this is actually this is my office, basically. This is my entire office. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And uh, there's some incredible pictures of the founding fathers I can see here. Mm-hmm. And those are the p- pictures your dad took, I'm assuming. My dad took, and then the one yeah. here. Yeah. And this this place is new. You only built it like last year, I believe, right? Yeah. 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 We've been here for one year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, one year. It's crazy that we met two years ago, man. Like, what? How does time fly? <laughs> I don't... Um, man, I, I wanted to just say... Thank you for joining us a lot. And I think this was one of the interviews I was very excited for. And it's been great catching up with you. I hope that uh, in the future we uh, we do this again once the podcast also has, you know, multiple viewers. And uh, I'm excited for it, you know. Um, thank you again for joining me, Neil. And uh, <laughs> right back at you, homie. <laughs> And uh, look forward to seeing you soon, hopefully this week. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Guys, keep on watching and uh, thanks for your support. Ciao, Khaled. Peace.